Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane here with you on Friday, February the 18th. This week, chronic fatigue syndrome, commonly known as ME. A controversial syndrome. This syndrome, which is quite prevalent, for example, around a quarter of a million sufferers in the United Kingdom alone, is controversial in terms of how or if it can be treated. On Friday, February the 18th, we publish online a randomised trial to shed light on this issue. Let's now hear from two of the authors of the study speaking at the press conference held in London. Michael Sharp, who is Professor of Psychological Medicine at the University of Edinburgh, and Trudy Chowder, who is Professor of Cognitive Behaviour Therapy at King's College London. We want to outline for you today a randomised trial of treatments for the condition that's referred to as CFS-ME. And what I'm going to do is set a little bit of background explaining why the trial is important and say just a little bit about how it was carried out. I'm then going to pass over to Trudy, who's going to tell you what we found and what we think the findings mean, what the implications are. Some of you will be very familiar with this topic, some maybe less so. Um, CFS-ME, as it's come to be called, is a condition that's relatively common. Estimates vary, but around a quarter million people in the UK. And if you have this condition, you're likely to suffer from severe disabling fatigue, which is bad enough to prevent you leading a normal life and as well as that their common associations are difficulties with memory and concentration uh, and other symptoms such as disturbed sleep, widespread pains. Now there is an issue as some people uh, regard CFS and ME as separate conditions and we'll come back to that at the end of the trial. Uh, I think probably the majority view is that people regard them as as the same or certainly overlapping conditions. So why did we do this trial? Well, clearly from what I've told you about the condition, there's obviously a need for effective treatments to address uh, this level of disability in so many people. And there have been previous treatment trials, and the best evidence is for two rehabilitative sort of treatments, one called CBT or cognitive behaviour therapy and one called GET or graded exercise therapy and I'll be saying a little bit more about what they are in a minute. However, the evidence that of those treatments is mainly from small trials and it's proved to be very controversial. The two main UK patient organisations have both done large surveys of, of members and As a result of that, it expressed a view that these treatments are not helpful and indeed actually expressed strong views that they harm people. As an alternative, they've expressed a preference for something called adaptive pacing therapy, APT. And again, I'll come on to what this is, but this is essentially a non-rehabilitative treatment which helps the person to live within the limits imposed by the illness. The other uh, treatment which they've expressed a preference for is to see a a doctor, a hospital doctor, who's a specialist in this area. So there are actually, if you've, if you've actually been part of this field, you realise that there's actually been tremendous uh, controversy about this. Uh, are CBT and GET really effective? Do they harm people? 
is APT effective? And what is, is just seeing a specialist doctor really as good as anything else? So to address that question, uh, we have conducted with uh, a large-scale clinical trial across uh, the UK to compare these four different treatments and to find out how relatively effective they are and how relatively safe they are. And that trial is called PACE, and that's what we're talking about today. There were 640 patients randomised in this trial. So for a trial of non-drug treatments, this is a large trial. And it was conducted in, I don't know, six or seven centres, truly. Six. Six centres. One of the centres amalgamated. Six centres. Um, uh, and so it's also a large sample of patients across many places. Just to summarise the treatments the patients were randomised to, they were randomly allocated to one of these four treatments. SMC means specialist medical care. That's seeing a hospital specialist experienced in a condition. So everybody that went into the trial got that. So nobody in the trial got nothing. So that's important to bear in mind. So our comparisons are all based on everybody getting at least that. And then for three of the groups, they had uh, six months of approximately weekly sessions with a therapist giving something as well as the specialist medical care. And those three things, three things are listed here as APT, CBT, and GET. So briefly, we can talk about this more later if it's not clear. APT is adaptive pacing therapy. So that's seeing a therapist regularly to help you optimally adapt to the energy problems that you have as a result of an illness, to help make sure you get the best rest, to help make sure you can prioritize things to do the things you want to do, but not to try and overdo it, not to try necessarily and push what you can do unless you feel able to do it. So that's pacing. It's pacing your activities and it's adapting to the illness. Cognitive behavior therapy you may be more familiar with. This again involves seeing a therapist who works with the patient again in a collaborative relationship and helps them examine how they're thinking about their symptoms and how they're responding to the symptoms in their behavior and then helps them test out where the trying to do more actually will work. If they do it in a gradual way, can they find they can actually do that? Graded exercise therapy is, again, seeing a therapist, this time a, a physiotherapist or exercise therapist, to do a very graduated, tailored program of increasing activity with heart rate monitoring uh, uh, monitoring how the patient feels. So it's done in a very tailored, gradual way, but again, to help the patient increase what they can do. So you've got specialist medical care they all get. APT is adapting to the illness. CBT and GET are both trying to see if you can overcome the limits imposed by the illness by trying to do more, working closely with a the therapist in a graduated way. Just a few words about the trial. As I've said, this was a fairly large trial. Um, and it was done to the Medical Research Council have uh, quite rigorous guidelines for how trials should be conducted, and these were, these were uh, followed. So the trial has an independent steering committee which scrutinizes all the procedures of the trial. It had an independent data monitoring and ethics committee which scrutinized the data through the trial to make sure we weren't causing uh, harms we were unaware of during the trial and also oversaw, oversaw the handling of the data. So there was a lot of independent scrutiny of the procedures of the trial, which is important because in some areas this trial will be seen as very controversial. 
The therapy, it's very important to get the therapy right, and there were detailed manuals, which I think are going to be available uh, uh, to you on the website, um, of how each therapy should be delivered, and all the therapy sessions were audio recorded, and, and 10% of them were checked to make sure that the therapy was being given as it should have been. Importantly, the safety issue is very important, so all the safety, all the reports patients made of feeling less well or possible reactions to treatment were then scrutinised by a completely independent panel of doctors for them to decide whether they could be reactions to the treatment. So I hope that's enough by way of introduction to why we did the trial and what it was like. I'm going to pass on to Trudy Cheldon now for the exciting bit is what we actually found. Okay, so we had um, two primary outcomes. Um, they were fatigue, which is obviously the main symptom that people are complaining of, and physical functioning. So I'm going to talk about both those outcomes. So this graph illustrates change over time. Nought is um, the start of treatment, um, and 24 weeks is where the treatment largely ended, and then the follow-up period started. So the follow-up period occurred between 24 weeks and 52 weeks. You can see that the results in terms of fatigue, um, they largely um, separated into two groups with uh, CBT and graded exercise therapy, which is the green and the blue lines at the, bot at the bottom. Oh, sorry, um, CBT and GET, which is the green and purple lines at the bottom. Slightly different on the other. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the um, APT and specialist medical care at the top, with um, a clear difference being shown between CBT-graded exercise therapy and the other two groups, um, specialist medical care and APT. So the bottom line there is that graded exercise therapy and uh, cognitive behaviour therapy showed better, more improvement than the other two groups. As I say, the main outcome was at, at 52 weeks at the follow-up period. So just moving on to physical functioning, um, this might be slightly confusing because it's the other way, the, um, the scale goes the other way around to the fatigue scale. So a higher score means better functioning. Um, again, the results are largely divided into two groups with uh, graded exercise therapy and cognitive behaviour therapy doing better than adaptive pacing therapy and specialist medical care. You may be able to see from the graph that actually um, specialist medical care did slightly better. It looks as though it did slightly better <coughs> than um, APT, but actually there's no statistical difference there. But there was a statistical difference between um, graded exercise therapy, CBT, and the other two groups. So again, um, we can see the same pattern of results with CBT and graded exercise therapy doing better than the other two groups at 52 weeks. So if you take those two outcomes together, that is fatigue and uh, physical functioning, again you see the same pattern of results with uh, graded exercise therapy and cognitive behaviour therapy doing better than specialist medical care and um, adaptive pacing therapy. And if you think about the number of people who get back to normal levels of functioning and fatigue, then you see twice as many people in these, the graded exercise therapy and cognitive behaviour therapy group 
um, improving and getting back to normal than compared to the other two groups. In terms of safety, um, as Michael has already said, we monitored safety very carefully in the trial because we, were, we wanted to ensure that um, the treatments that we were offering people were not causing any harm. Um, and in fact, if you look at the percentages, there was no difference between any of the groups in terms of those people who reported that they had uh, seriously deteriorated or those individuals who reported any uh, serious adverse reactions. Um, if you see, um, if you look at the serious deterioration, we <coughs> measured that in a whole uh, number of different ways, which we can talk about later if you're interested in the detail. But actually, it's, it's a very small percentage uh, across the group. They're not percentage, they're absolute numbers, so yes. tiny percentages. Yes. yes, so they are small percentages because they're absolute numbers out of uh, 640. And in terms of the serious adverse reactions, again, the numbers were minuscule. And again, those uh, serious adverse reactions were what independent scrutineers decided could have been related to the actual treatment that they received. So to conclude then, uh, cognitive behaviour therapy and graded exercise therapy are more effective than both specialist medical care alone and adaptive pacing therapy. Um, adaptive pacing therapy was no different from specialist medical care alone, and you have to bear in mind that these are all comparisons that we're talking about at uh, 52 weeks. The effect of cognitive behaviour therapy and graded exercise therapy is moderate, but the, um, the effect that we see in terms of the improvements was similar across all of the outcomes that we um, measured. Um, the effect was the same or very similar if we looked at people who were oper operationally defined as having chronic fatigue syndrome. That was the 640 patients. But of those, there was a percentage of them who fulfilled uh, operational criteria for ME. And we, again, we saw exactly the same pattern of results. So we can be quite confident that that pattern of results is fairly robust across um, different definitions or different ways of defining the illness. Um, the treatments are safe and serious adverse outcomes of any sort were extremely uncommon in this trial and again were similar across the treatments. So some, any of the serious adverse reactions or events could not be attributed to the actual treatment. And we'd just like to acknowledge the, the funders. The, the, the um, primary funder was the Medical Research Council and the Department of Health and Chief Scientist Office in Scotland <coughs> actually funded the actual therapists who delivered the treatment. Thank you to them too. Well, many thanks to both speakers for their insight into this interesting paper and to you all for listening. See you next time.